With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. you're enjoying this cute little apocalypse and the sky doesn't completely turn to ash before this drops but uh in the meantime hello my name is matthew robertson i am a staff writer and podcast host at lookoutlanding.com you can find me on twitter at m robertson 22 and today we have a brand spanking new episode of the lookout landing podcast and i'm also just realizing i have no idea what brand spanking new means or where that term comes from uh hannah do you have any idea where we got that beautiful little phrase i don't i feel like it's kind of like uh when people say like oh like christ on a bicycle and i'm like who who was the first person to say that <laughs> I think the answer is actually usually like someone from the South, like right after the Civil War. I feel like that's where we get a lot of our most like colorful American phrases. Yeah, hundred percent. Like a person either with mutton chops or wearing like a calico dress. Yeah, who like if I met them now, I would hate everything about them. But at least I'm glad that they like came up with some cool little combinations of words. Yeah, like folksy lingo. I'm like that was your contribution. That's cool. Yeah, everything else about me- you, I disagree with. Exactly. Don't tell me anything else about your worldview besides like the, <laughs> the things that you think are fun to say. Yeah. Uh, cool. So that voice you heard belongs to Hannah Brooks Olson, a writer whose work you can read in The Stranger, The Atlantic, Seattle Met, and various other outlets. Uh, Hannah, first of all, welcome to the show. And second of all, uh, your Twitter informed me that you are also, in addition to being a writer, an infant scientist. Uh, can you explain what that means and also... <laughs> how that happened I wish that I had a like I wish that I actually knew I was helping my parents like dig through some of their stuff at one point and I just pulled out this framed image and it said Hannah Brooks Olson like the University of Oregon gives Hannah Brooks Olson the honorary degree of infant scientist and it's like it's framed and I asked my dad I was like what even what occurred for you to have this in your possession and he was like I think we like brought you in for like a like a te- like a research project they were doing and then that's what they gave you when when you graduated the program he's like I don't really I don't really know so but I hold that very proudly as a person who barely graduated from college uh, I feel very proud that I also have like an honorary degree as a scientist yeah no I would definitely flex that as well I don't have any sort of scientific uh, honors or anything I'm just a guy who also, did college and now I'm doing a podcast. No, yeah. nothing really, uh, nothing really special in the interim besides, you know, just my the trappings of early 20s life. Right, which is usually not anything to write home about. No, no, no. I'm trying to forget it actively every single day. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hannah, like everyone else who's ever been on this show, uh, besides being an infant scientist, also cares deeply about the Seattle Mariners, which is why we've gathered today. 
And uh, Hannah, you kind of mentioned this a second ago, uh, being from the University of Oregon, but uh, you are from Oregon originally too, is that correct? Yeah, I grew up in Eugene, so like right in the right in the middle of the state. Okay, sure. So I've always had like a hard time getting a read on how much people in Oregon care about the Mariners. Like I understand that they have root sports down there and can watch the games, but it feels like, you know, the Blazers are obviously the king of the mountain and then people have their Ducks or Beavers allegiance. And then like only if they care about baseball, then do the Mariners creep in. So I guess I've always sort of surmised that people in Oregon will care about the Blazers even if they don't particularly care about basketball whereas they have to care about baseball to get into the Mariners uh, am I way off base there or is that kind of accurate no I think that that I think that's pretty accurate I mean it's strange growing up in a state that literally does not have professional sports except for NBA because like it's not everyone is necessarily into basketball but they're also like the thing and so instead much like the American South like Oregon is deeply invested in college ball so like we watched a ton of college sports because it's the only thing there and so if you're a baseball fan either you are a fan of wherever you came from like the team from wherever is closest to where you came from or you sort of adopt one of the local teams and so for a lot of people that's the Mariners although I I grew up in a in a house divided on baseball uh, my dad is from the East Bay originally, and um, so he's like he and his whole family are like hardcore athletics fans, like to the point at which when my grandfather died, we all got together to sprinkle some of his ashes on the field at uh, at Ricky Henderson. So Whoa. like yeah, like on fireworks night, we each had individual vials of Bob ashes and like sprinkled them on the field and had like a tiny silent memorial, which I'm positive is illegal, but. I, I don't know what the statute of limitations for like distributing ashes is, but um, I'm, I'm not worried about it. Uh, so like he's very into the A's. So we grew up being very into the A's, but you don't get any coverage in Eugene. Like we can never watch the games. I don't know why my mom is a fan of the Los Angeles Dodgers, but like she is. I have never been able to put that together, but like those are their allegiances. So we were not a Mariners household at all. Interesting. I feel like with the the A's thing is tough because obviously we play them so much every year and like they are the team that's always like in our way when we're actually like competing for a playoff spot. But the Dodgers, like that's kind of like harmless. I feel like any National League allegiance, I'm like, okay, whatever, you can have that. Like it doesn't interfere with what the Mariners are doing. And then also in recent years, it feels like the Mariners and Dodgers like aren't even in the same league. You know, like the Dodgers have more money than God and win their division every year and the Mariners are like just kind of trying their best, you know? So does that right. ever come up? Like, does your mom ever, like, kind of make fun of you for, like, caring about, you know, getting to 500, whereas the Dodgers are, like, trying to win the World Series every single year? I mean, I think she low-key still thinks they're from Brooklyn. Like, I literally, like, oh, okay. I, she still calls them the trolley Dodgers, which is really funny to me. Um, but, uh, no, I think her, her fandom is not quite that deep, but she does um, – and our, our rivalries are all quite friendly. I have a lot of photos of, like, me and my Mariners cap and my dad in our A's cap. And we're just like, you know, whatever. West Coast, you know, that's that's where we really stand. Um, but my mom the other day, she we, I was talking to her, and she was like, well, you know, the Dodgers, we just got we just got this great new player, this guy Mookie. And I was like, oh, my God. I can't have this conversation with you right now. <laughs> I was like, I can't talk to you about Mookie Betts, mother. I cannot. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's always fun to like grade yourself on a curve too. Like the Dodgers are excited about Mookie Betts, and the Mariners are like, we have nine twenty-three-year-olds, and maybe right. a couple of them will be good one day. <laughs> we're like, we're just bringing up the next generation. I know. Yeah, it's a very. I mean, they're in different. They're in different life cycles, right? Like. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Whereas my dad refers to the Athletics as uh, the MLB's farm team. Like that's he's just like, oh, we're just the farm team for the rest of the league. Like. We, like, train up players, and then other people pick them off. I was like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, well, I mean, the Mariners are kind of the king of that, too. We usually do the thing where, like, we have a good player and trade them, whereas the A's, I guess, just, like, straight up cannot afford them. Like, after their rookie deal is over, it's like, well, you had a good run. Go play for the Cardinals or whatever. Right. I mean, my my kid sister, who's also an athletics fan, just by virtue of, I think, living closer to my dad, uh, is still considers Josh Reddick one of her own. And I was like, no, 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 no. He is on the dark side. Yeah, like, what a person to, like, hitch your wagon to also. Like, Josh Reddick is, he's fine, but, like, he's one of those players where every time I see him, I'm like, oh, God, this fucking guy again. Right, like, I feel like he's the kind of guy, he has, he's one of those players with a face where, and I've described several players like this in the past, but if I saw my friend talking to him at a party, I would be like, oh, no, honey, we're going into another room. Like, (laughs) we're, we're gonna leave somewhere together. Like, he just has a face yeah i would just i think i've described him before maybe in writing maybe just out loud as someone who always looks itchy like he always has that like weird (laughs) sort of like something about him feels off you know like he maybe doesn't have the best hygiene anyone with like that greasy hair and especially when you're wearing a hat all the time like i just am gonna assume that maybe like you don't own a washcloth yeah like he looks like the lice kid in class like i could (laughs) definitely i could i would if someone started that rumor i would be like yeah huh yeah mm -hmm, yep I believe it. That, that's really what MLB needs this year to really just put a bow on everything is a lice outbreak. That would be a, per, a perfect, perfect like conclusion for this COVID season. Oh, my God. Just everyone out playing with mayonnaise in their hair. Oh, my God. Oh, I would. Oh, just. Yeah. Why not? Just the Why cherry not, right? on top. The mayonnaise on top. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's backtrack a little bit. You've explained yeah. uh, your parents' fandom, but how yes. did you specifically then decide, oh, I'm going to root for the Mariners? Did you just like discover that you had root sports or, I guess, FSN Northwest back then, and you decided to watch them every night? Like, How did it come up where you decided, like, okay, you guys can have your team, but I'm going to be a Mariners fan? So, I well, it started really, we were talking about, you know, that like NCAA really rules where I'm from and, and, um, and like college in general, but... We also have a robust uh, minor league fandom. So my my minor league team as a kid is the Eugene Emeralds. And um, I think at the time they were, when I was little, little, and we were going to a lot of games, I think they were farmed for like the Padres or something. But now they, um, now they uh, work with the Cubs. Um, so... And we would go to minor league games all summer long, in part because they were, like, cheap and we were poor and you could bring, you know, three kids and, like, eat peanuts and watch baseball. And so, like, we would all go together. Um, and I remember that there was there was some kind of maybe advertising package deal where during these minor league games, they would tell you what was going on with the Seattle Mariners because I guess, that was, like, that was the team that was closest and they thought maybe people in Eugene – could possibly be Mariners fans. Um, and so I just remember the announcements and seeing like their schedules in the, um, in the pamphlet. Uh, and they would always say your Seattle Mariners. 
And there's like a, you know, seven-year-old, like extremely awful little league player. Uh, I was very moved by the idea that I had a, a big team in a big city somewhere that I could barely even dream existed. Yeah. Um, wow. A very own team just for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, they made it just for me and my and my kids sports team. Uh, and we like I think people forget, too, that Eugene is like it's very it is pretty rural still. Like it's a decent sized town, but it's my brother described it to me the other day as like a suburb without a city attached. Like it's just like a suburb for a city that doesn't exist because the closest real city is Portland and that's two hours away. And so like there just isn't anything else around. And so like our world was really small like growing up in Eugene. Like we didn't travel other than like bopping around camping in Oregon. Like I didn't go to Seattle until I moved away to college. Like I'd never seen the city. Uh, so it sounded like a, like a mythical place to me that I was like, oh my gosh, this place called Seattle and they have this Mariners team and like they sound great. And so I sort of started tracking them because also like their box scores would be in our local paper, which we all read religiously. And then when I moved, to, I went to college at um, Western in Bellingham, so bypass Seattle. And uh, at one point I was driving home from my job. I worked at a donut shop. Uh, and I was listening to the radio and I could get like 710 um, on my like car radio, on my like 89 Jetta's radio. Nice. And just hearing like the sounds of baseball, like I think I was having a rough day anyway. And then I was just like flipping through the radio dial and I heard the sound of baseball. Right. And when you hear the sound of baseball on the radio and especially if you're a kid who grew up with baseball, it is the single most comforting thing. It's like it was just like this warm blanket. And I and I remember that they were announcing for your Seattle Mariners. And I was like, oh, right. My team, this team that's been waiting for me now, whatever, 10 years, 15 years later. Uh, and then from that point, I had a, a like a. I think it was a knockoff Walkman. It was like a tape, like a portable tape player of some sort. And that makes it sound like I went to college in the 90s. I didn't. It was like 2006. (laughs) But I had this little tape deck that also had a tuner on it. I want to say my friends gave me as a gift or something, like as a joke, with a bunch of like cassettes from Value Village. And I realized that it had the, the tuner on it. So I would bring it with me like to like walking to class. And I would listen to like... 710 and I would listen to like whatever other like radio I could listen to and so I started listening to Mariner games all the time like when I could when I could get them which wasn't all the time the uh the broadcast did not always carry but on the days that it did um it was it it became sort of my like one of the real lights for me that summer and then I moved to Seattle like on kind of a whim and for a job and then I was like oh my god I'm right here and then I was and then I was all in that's so funny. The radio thing is like I was just nodding along the whole time you said that, like the comforting part and like how nostalgic that can be, too, because I've been doing like the hyper modern version of what you were describing, where I've been going on my little like quarantine sanity walks, you know, and I'll put yes. on I'll put on the radio feed like from the MLB app, which feels very like futuristic. And like I do kind of miss like having to tune into 710. You get like the fuzz sometimes and like. No, the app is fine. Like, it works beautifully. But walking around, listening to the Mariners and, like, just having Rick Riz kind of, like, almost, like, talk me to sleep some nights. Like, I love that so much. And it feels, like, 
almost better sometimes than actually watching the game, especially if they're losing, because like you can kind of just like decide how the players are looking and like what kind of vibe is going on in the field. Whereas when you're watching it, you're like, oh, this is very sad. Like none of them want to be here. But on the radio, you can have Rick Riz kind of like talk around that, which I've always been a big fan of. And he's, I mean, he's such a pro. He's such a good storyteller, right? He'll tell you exactly what's happening on the field if you need to know. Um, we were driving, I was in the car with my partner the other day, and he um, he was like, will you turn on 710 so we can listen to Mariners? And I was like, ain't got to ask me twice. And uh, <laughs> it was the game where Scott got kicked out recently. Oh, sure, yeah. Which, I mean, I might have to be more specific. but uh, And just hearing Riz being like, oh, Scott, Scott's out of the dugout. He's, <laughs> uh, he's walking, he's standing close maybe too close and he was just like so like he was giving the best like stage blocking I was like yes what what a masterful uh he's he's a master of storytelling he's the best I saw him at a taco time once and that's like for someone like you or like other Mariners fans it's a much cooler story than when I tell my friends who don't care like you saw a guy who broadcast games eating Mexi fries who cares but I'm like no it was Rick Riz it was really cool and like he said hi to me and we talked for a little bit it was fun uh that's also like the most Seattle story of all time <laughs> like of course it was taco time where else could it possibly be yeah I assume he lives like in a hollowed out taco time where he broadcasts all the games from his basement or something I would you know I'd believe it or just yeah like an Airstream trailer somewhere that where he has yeah. Mexi fries delivered yeah I would I would buy that yeah. Okay. So you uh, you do college in Western, and then you move to the city afterwards. So like, what era of Mariner baseball is this? I know it's all, like the whole two thousands and into the early twenty tens is pretty bad. But like, what are your memories of that specific time in your life when it comes to the Mariners? I mean, Ichiro. I think Ichiro was such a huge, such a huge, huge part of um, of that era. Like, because I I guess I started listening really closely in 2000, probably six, seven. And then it must've been 2000, I want to say 10. My dad came up to visit me from Eugene and I got us tickets to a ball game. And it was like a really big deal that I could get us tickets to one that I could afford two tickets, but two that like I could take my dad to the, to a, a major league ballpark he'd never been to. Um, and one I would say that is a fucking crown jewel uh, because if you could only ever go to one ballpark, I would say Safeco's a great one. Uh, I mean, T-Mobile. Yeah, we call it Safeco. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's it's one of those. It's kind of one of those ones that just it won't it won't go away. I think in my heart. And at the time, it was Safeco, so I, I feel like I'm like doing just like I'm setting the stage to this game. And uh, it was one of the last ones we knew that Ichiro was going to be playing before he retired unretired re-retired you know went through the whole dance and yeah. I just remember my dad taking out his like horrid little flip phone and taking a picture because he was just like oh my gosh he's like I wasn't sure if I'd ever get to see Ichiro like in person like this is so cool uh and so I felt like that was like I just feel like his sort of last few years was very much a part of like my my Mariner fandom um and but I have you know I have fantastic memories too of like uh, you know, Lloyd picking up and stealing a base, um, which like, I'll never, I, I don't think any other coach had the amount of just like pettiness as Lloyd McClendon. Um, yeah, we, we've had two of them. I mean, Lloyd and Lou Pinella, both incredible yes. showmen, like they yes. would really take getting ejected and like make it into like a performative act. Like they were some of my favorite live performers I've ever seen. Yes, I know. It's like anybody who is like very into like 
like WWE but isn't into baseball. And I'm like, you don't understand. It's the same degree of showmanship if you're watching the right groups of people. Sometimes, uh, yeah. Yeah, right? We're like, had sometimes I felt like, you know, Lloyd was, he was kind of playing the heel. And I was like, okay with it. I was here for it. Uh, so I, I, I very much appreciated um, sort of coming into, into that time and then also watching, you know, Scott kind of get his feet out from under him. And, um, and now that I feel like I've watched enough ball games with, with Scott Service, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you can kind of tell he's smiling a tiny bit with his eyes. Exactly. Which feels like a real badge of honor. He's so painfully Midwest where like everything about him is just so even keeled. And like you can tell he values politeness more than anything else. But then when he does get mad, it's like, oh, my God, it's almost like he's learning how to like express those emotions for the first time. Right. Yeah. He's he's finally learning to love. Yeah. Uh, so it was. But and like a, a big part of it for me, too, was always and this is. This speaks to my like greater feelings about sports fandom is on the one hand, you love your team because you love your city, right? Like because like it represents the city to you. But I am also such a fan of individual players. And I think that comes from watching a lot of college ball that like I will watch games where someone else I love, you know, is playing or when where someone I miss is playing on another team. Um, like I officially have to watch the Padres now because my beloved Dan Altavilla has left us. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I love him so much. I don't know why. Yeah, I was going to say, you're probably in the minority there. It's, oh, weird how, it's weird how long he was here, too, because, like, you know, they started trading everyone after 2018, and it was, like, Kyle Seeger and Dan Altavilla are somehow the only ones left, and, like, Altavilla, bless his heart, was never that good so it was always kind of curious like how did he stick around among everyone else (laughs) i know i went to an everett aqua Sox game last year at the very end of the season and he he was like pitching at this aqua Sox game and i remember seeing like an older woman in a in an alta villa jersey and i was like oh that's interesting and then when he took the mound i was like oh his mom's here i was like i get it i see what's happening and I was she also delighted. probably has the only Dan Altavilla jersey in circulation. <laughs> I think his wife probably has one or his there fiance. You go. Yeah, yeah, the whole but family probably got yeah. a discount. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like I just I you know, when you love your players too. So there's been a lot of players throughout the years that I've kind of watched go where I'm like, Oh, okay, well, bye, I guess. I'll see you when you play elsewhere. But that's also very Mariners, having favorite players who are either not good or like if you were to bring them up in a conversation with like a national baseball fan, they're like, I have no idea who you're talking about. Like Dan Altavilla is such a like, again, bless his heart, such a nobody in terms of like the actual baseball conversation, which is why it was so weird to see Austin Nola become like a huge trade chip all of a sudden. And, you know, same trade as Altavilla where it's like this guy was our like third utility guy. And now the Padres are trading us like real prospects for him. Like, how did that happen? I thought he was going to be a classic, like, remember that guy in Mariners history. Right. Yes, I know. I I feel like the people that are the most memorable, too, like, it's either the ones that you, like, loved to hate or, like, that you're glad they're gone. I think about, like, I, I just remember the, the collective response when, like, Figgins left. Yeah, yeah. The perfect uh, example of someone we all hated. Yeah, and so, and the kind that, but also you're just like, I'll never forget you. Uh, and <laughs> and we're almost like when I think too, it's kind of wild because when I think about like my my Mariners like fandom at a, an early point, I don't remember necessarily having the same like like reverence 
for Felix that I should have given the era I was watching. I think because the rest of the team was so, hmm. Uh, And so, like, even though he was incredible during that era when I was especially first really getting to know the team, it was like, it was, it, it almost didn't read for me to the degree that it probably should have. Right. That's exactly how I feel about Ichiro, actually, because Felix was like still around when I was like hardcore getting into baseball and then started writing for Luckout Landing. But Ichiro was like, I mean, I was also like a kid. Like he was like really, really good when I was in like middle school and high school, basically. And I was like not really understanding that this was like a once in a lifetime player, you know, because when it's a guy for your hometown team, you're like, yeah, it's Ichiro. Like, I know Ichiro. He's great. But you don't really like you take him for granted in a way that is harder to do when it's someone for another team. You know what I mean? Like if there's a player like Mike Trout now, like I understand how good he is because he's always shitting on my team. Like if I was an Angels fan, I feel like it would be so easy to become numb to how amazing he is. Yeah. I think that that's really true because it's like, because also when a player is like too reliably good, you, you stop seeing it kind of. Exactly. Yeah, I want to see him be human. Like Ichiro yeah. never made an error. Like he never. I feel like I never saw him check swing. Like he was always no. so sure of himself that like everything about him just oozed like coolness and like yeah, yeah I'm the fucking man. And so then it was hard to like. I guess that when he left, like when he went to the Yankees and then the Marlins, and you saw him kind of break down, you were like, oh okay, like he was the best player I've ever seen. Like now that I've seen him lose a step, I get how good he was before. Right. Yes. I a hundred percent feel that. And I feel like I felt that way. That was what, that was how my arc went with Felix, where when I first was especially really paying attention, it was like, Oh, he just was a, he was a great pitcher. He was just, you know, cool. Nice. The rest of the team sucks. We're still losing, whatever. And then like, as he started, you know, to understandably like falter and age, as the rest of the team around him was starting to get better, then it was like, oh, wow, that is deeply upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the like that's kind of a through line for Mariner history. It's like, yes. why couldn't you have built a better team around these generational superstars? Right. Yes, I know. I yes, I think about I think about that a lot. Um, probably more than I necessarily should or is healthy for me to do. Um, I mean, I also just like Ichiro, like I loved how like like he's sort of like a robot or like a machine and I just I also like there was a part of me that just loved it but I mean I remember I so I had mostly only listened to baseball really um when I was in school and I graduated I moved to Seattle in 2009 and I remember that year waiting for a bus and that was the year I think maybe it was 2010 but I think it was 2009 where there was the bus ad that was just Ichiro's arm whoa Were you, like, present or, like, did you know about this? Well, I was in the suburbs at that point, so I didn't see a lot of city buses. So there was a Metro bus ad that was, like, the full side panel of the Metro bus ad. And it was just his arm outstretched. And I think the caption was something else. Something like, you know, how many players can you identify just by their arm? Oh, like when he's hitting and he does the, like, Yeah, and he sticks it out. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's, like, his extended arm. And I just remember, like, having only really listened... I then seeing that picture, I was like, I do know who that is in part because it's been so well described for me on the radio broadcast. Uh, but I was just like that. I just remember that being like a real moment of like, oh, we have we have like a guy, you know. Yeah, no, that's super cool. And I'm also just realizing that my timeline was all off. Like Ichiro's best years were actually 
my elementary school years, which is so <laughs> weird to think about. And also, like, what is time? You know, like, I had totally convinced myself that I was older when Ichiro was good, but that was not the case at all. I mean, we've been, you know, we've been alive for 300 years at this point. Um, That's a really good point. <laughs> we've packed a lot of living into the last um, six months, but, and I also, am like, I'm aggressively in my middle ish 30s now and i'm i'm feeling it so i get it yeah so have there ever been any periods of your life whether because there was like a lot going on for you personally or maybe just because the team was unwatchable that you kind of like dropped the mariners from your life or like lowered your investment level a little bit or have you just been fully in every single year no matter how bad it's been i mean i would definitely say within the last in the in the i moved to seattle 11 years ago in the last 10 because my first year here was rough just because of like work and also uh, there was a recession at that time. It was just a, it was a difficult time. Uh, but I would say definitely in the last 10 years, I've been pretty consistently dialed in um, to, if not like the, like, you know, the ups and downs of the team specifically, I just like the ability in the summertime on almost any night of the week to be able to go into one of my favorite sports bars, get a Coors Light, do pull tabs, and watch Mariners. Like, that has just been such a, a cornerstone for me, like, of, like, feeling good and feeling like it's summertime. So I – there have been times where my interest in the specificity has waned. I'm not, like, a stats nerd. Uh, sure. I'm much more interested in, like, the personal lives of the players and, like, you know, and and the female gaze. Um <laughs> which I feel is fine. Uh, there's no such thing as objectifying men in sports because until women can play sports at the same levels, I don't believe in it. Uh, is this which where is the just... Dan Altavilla love comes in? Because that man had an ass on him. Or Yo, he still Kate, does. <laughs> that dude is fucking thick. Yes, he is. It's true. He's a big... He's, and he got e- somehow even bigger. Like, this year he, he was just, like, massive. The quarantine, I think, was just pure, like, in the gym, I'm gonna, like, I'm picturing, like, the Roadhouse montage where he's just, like, working out in a barn somewhere. Oh my god, yes. I believe it. Just, yeah, hoisting hay bales. Yeah, that dude's forearms are straight up the size of my quads, and I, I have a lot of respect. Um, but so I, I don't think that, I mean, even at times when they're not great, I mean, one, your team is your team. Like, I don't, I don't believe in sort of not that I don't believe in Fairweather fandom, like, do whatever you want. There's definitely been times where I'm like, oh, cool, the Mariners are down by eight, and it's the eighth, and I have other things to do tonight, so bye. Like, right. that I don't feel bad about, but, um, you know, I feel like if it's your team, you have to sort of watch all of the parts of it because, like, like we were talking about earlier, right? If you have a great player and you just get used to them being great and they sort of start to almost fade in the background for you, like, I feel like the same is true with a great team or, like, a great franchise. Um I, you know, my partner, he's from uh, New England. Um, oh, and no. so his, oh, yeah. So he's a Mariner fan um, because he was like, I'm adopting this city and I'm adopting this team. And also, no love for almost anything associated with the Red Sox franchise. Um, but like, that is an area where like they are so used to winning at this point that it's like almost not even fun. Yeah, no, and, I would totally understand that. Like, it's more of a relief when you win at that point than actual joy. Yeah, it's just like, well, good. You know, live to win another day. Um, <laughs> and I just, at no point, <laughs> there's been very few points in my life where I've been a, a champion 
like where I've championed a winning team, a consistently winning team. Like it just has not lined up. The stars have not been there for me. Uh, so I think, you know, it's mostly, I guess it's due to time. It's due to money or access. I lived for like five years in first Hill, which is like downtown ish. And at that point I could walk to ball games. And so like, there was a lot of like afternoons in the summer where we would just be like, you want to just go to a game today? Yeah, let's do it. And then we would just like walk and buy cheap seats and, you know, drink lining kugels. And it would just be, it was just, yeah, some of my best memories. I am weeping internally at the idea of doing that right now. Like, right? I would would overpay so hard for a bleacher seat right now to watch the Mariners lose 16 to 3 to the Astros. A hundred percent. Yeah, to just watch like Altuve, like that tiny little man, like strut around the bases and I'd still be there. We actually, we had like this whole plan for how we wanted to like, like get a garbage can and bring it this summer like to the bleacher <laughs> seats like we had a whole plan that got blown up um but you, like it's so funny though because like baseball fandom is it's so sweet you know again like I think there's so much about it that's like quite um I guess like tactile or kinesthetic like it's very like sensory um mm-hmm. during the one of the earlier months of the pandemic before we knew whether or not we were going to have any kind of season at all I was, I was out also for like a sanity walk and there was a lady, like a young lady walking with her radio in her hand and she was listening to one of the throwback, uh, Niehaus broadcasts. Oh yeah. Those were cool. I only got to listen like a little bit of one, but it was a really cool to just hear his voice again. Yeah. And to just sort of feel, it felt like almost like it was live there for that minute. And she was like walking with it and like cheering, you know, up. On this, like, broadcast of, what, a a 25-year-old game, 30-year-old game or whatever, like, and I just was like, damn, like, that's how people love baseball, you know? Like, we love it because we will listen to a super old radio broadcast of it in the neighborhood together. Yeah, dude, you're preaching to the choir. I'm actually going to (laughs) plug our site real quick. Uh, At lookoutlanding.com, you can read um, something that our staff writer, Amanda Lane Cumming, just wrote. Uh, about the game the Mariners played the night before 9-11, which is like a great story, very interesting. But uh, in there, there's videos of the game, and Freddie Garcia was just like throwing an absolute gem. And you can hear, like Dave Niehaus is on the call, like, and you can just hear him like swooning over how good Freddie Garcia was pitching. And I was sitting there watching it, like knowing the Mariners win, knowing there wouldn't be a highlight video if he pitched badly. And I was like, fuck yeah, Freddie, like get him. Like he's striking out like... <laughs> guys from like 20 years ago and I'm like yeah go home Garrett Anderson like I was so invested in a game that I already knew happened and it's so funny how like just hearing Dave Niehaus's voice for me will immediately do that where I'm like yeah I'm in I'm cheering for the Mariners retroactively yeah and I mean like it's kind of wild that baseball like it's so it can be so dramatic even like if you know you know you know the outcome or whatever like we were just like I don't know popping around YouTube the other day uh, several months ago, several lifetimes ago, who knows at some point, um, either yesterday or nine years ago. Yeah. And we saw some of like the archival, like the vault, uh, games from MLB and we watched a subway series, like an actual subway series where Jackie Robinson was playing. Whoa. Yeah. And it's like, they have like the old footage and it's, it is, the production is fascinating because of how they they figured out how to do like picture in picture basically by just like overlaying two cameras 
like two camera angles. So you sort of had a close up on the batter and you had like the, the wide shot. Uh, and it was just, it was so remarkable to just watch it and see it happen. And, um, it was a, uh, it, but it, I was like, I have zero investment in the outcome of this game because everyone is dead, but I love the game <laughs> itself so much that I'm like here for it. So basically, yeah, once a player is dead, it doesn't matter what, <laughs> what they did. We don't care about the outcome. <laughs> Thank you for your service, but we're yeah, moving on. Yeah, great. Never heard of them. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. Okay, so when I was doing research for this, and by research I mean typing in your Twitter handle plus okay. the word Mariners, sure. uh, I found a lot of tweets that were a fun combination of like anger and sort of playfully mocking yourself. Like a lot of memes, you know, which I love, but... I've always felt like as Mariner fans, we have sort of a permanent like turtle shell to both protect us from outside forces and disappear into when things get bad. So like, what is your preferred mental coping mechanism when like the weight of being a Mariner fan begins to creep in? Do you know what I mean by that? Like when you realize how much of your life you've given to this team that gives you nothing back? Yes. I, so I, yes, I, so again, my, my partner, Keith, he is uh, also, I mean, I will always plug him on Twitter because I think he's underappreciated in his time. But he okay. is like a full on like Mariner's meme lord. Like he will come up with things that make me laugh all the time. And one of the things that we do really try and talk about is like like Mariner's fandom pessimism and how how quickly people just like invest in it and like roll around in it. And so I feel like a big part of my... Like, when I start to feel, like, bad about it, it's either because, like, I mean, because I needed a personal win in my life, which is, like, my stuff. That's not on them. Um, or because I'm sort of starting to revel in that cynicism, which I don't I don't like to do. I do not like that, like, you know, that attitude of people that they have where there's, like, Mariner's going to Mariner, you know. They're just always going to be a 500 team. Yeah. What do you yeah. expect? And it's, like, I expect different because it's, different dudes in the uniform every year like I expect different because it's not a monolith and because you never know what's gonna happen and because you don't know who's been training and you know I have a theory that I think Kyle Seager was playing injured most of the last year yeah he was yeah yeah even a theory that's been confirmed he had a broken toe for a while yeah 2018 when they were trying to make the playoffs he straight up had a broken toe that he was playing on oh my god yeah I see I never actually bothered to like google it but I was like he's so much better this year and he could run fast who knew Kyle Seeger could actually like steal bases what the hell and so I was like I don't know assume he probably was playing injured but like so you don't know what players are going through so I don't I don't uh subscribe to that like level of like blue blueness but I yeah, do that's feel... great. It's also the least original thought you can have now. It's like, oh so... my god, the Mariners suck. Like everyone knows that, dude. Like it's not yeah. an interesting take to have that you don't trust the Mariners. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, I and so there have been times where instead I focused a lot on you know Ben Gamble's hair or uh, <laughs> and how I actually think he's the true inspiration for Tumgus, the AMPM monster. Yes. Oh my god, yes. I've tweeted about that before. I like yes. noticed it and then I can't get it out of my brain. Like how yes. he looks exactly like Tombgus. It's hilarious. He looks just like him. Uh, <laughs> and so like things like that. I feel like there's always something good to to watch in your baseball, like whatever it is, you know. Uh, and I think about all the like weird like gems of human the human experience that I've learned about from watching baseball. Like when I learned about Larry King and how he like tweets from by texting an assistant 
from behind the plate oh, when he yeah. goes to Dodger games. Yeah, you can always see him like lifelessly sitting there. And I think um, Mary Hart, is that her name? The woman from Entertainment Tonight. She was always there too, like looking very like put together watching the Dodgers. Right, right. And I love, so I, you know, I just think there's always, every game is an opportunity to be fascinated and delighted by something, even if it's not necessarily, you know, what's happening on the field. <laughs> so how often were you going to games? Are you having withdrawals now? Or are you kind of like used to not being able to go? I mean, it definitely felt like summer didn't happen. Um I was going, I mean, we would probably go every couple of weeks in the summertime. Um, and, you know, I would also like, I, it was a way in the summer a lot of times for me to like hang out with friends too. Like I would go to a game with like someone I hadn't seen in a while. I'd be like, yeah. oh, let's catch up. Like I'll get us tickets, you know, like, and then we can stay out way too late drinking on a school night and like go to whatever that bar is that now I can't remember its name in Pioneer Square that weirdly has carpet on the tables. Like, it's, and it's just, like, part of a whole thing. I wish I knew what you were talking about. That sounds great. What is this bar? Oh, my God. It's a Pioneer Square bar. It's, like, on the other. It's, like, you just walk to it. And it has, the tables weirdly have, like, carpet squares. Uh, and it's, it, it feels kind of icky. Like, it feels like you shouldn't really be drinking on it. And now I cannot Yeah, what would name. be the utility of that? Like, why would you put carpet on the table? I don't know. But anyone who's ever been there, like, knows what I'm talking about. Um, and so I, yeah, I definitely, it felt like, it just felt like we were in whatever the like summertime version of, um, you know, in like in Narnia, like it's always winter and never Christmas. I feel like that was <laughs> this summer, like it's always August and never baseball. Yeah. It was so strange too. Like, cause you know, Seattle has such like extreme weather patterns as you know, everyone knows, but once it like became nice outside and it was before the season had started, I was like, this is fake. This is a trap. Like this is not actual springtime. I think like May there was still no baseball and it was like becoming nice again. And I was like really lost. I it was hard to figure out like what time of year it was or how I should be feeling about the state of the world when there was no Mariners on. It was very, very like disorienting for a while there. Yeah, like I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I literally didn't know what to do with myself, like in the evenings, uh, without baseball. I'm like, it's just such a reliable part of my summertime evenings, whether it's on the radio during dinner or it's, you know, like it's such a part of my social life. Um, so that was definitely, you know, it obviously it wasn't the worst part of all of this, uh, but it was definitely, uh, it was a hard part of it for sure. Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. I struggled to, like, remind myself that, like, you're not the main character in a pandemic, Matthew. Like, you'll be okay. <laughs> right, right. There will probably be baseball in the future. Uh, yeah. But it definitely has been, yeah, it's been a challenge for sure. And it has been yeah. harder to take, like, this season, you know, to be as invested this season. Not just because it's short, but again, like, without actual people in the stands, like you also just have a dramatically reduced chance of seeing something hilarious happen, like during a broadcast. Right. The TV experience is like jarring and I'm still not used to it. Like, cause I've been watching the NBA bubble a lot. And like, mm -hmm. I realized pretty quickly that like when you're watching a regular NBA game, when there are fans there, like the way the cameras are set up, you still mostly just get the court. So like in the bubble, mm -hmm. it's the same thing. But with baseball, like, the classic shot for 80% of the game is just you see the pitcher, the catcher, and the hitter, and then the people 
behind home plate. So like you're always looking at either the cardboard cutouts or for some stadiums, just empty seats. And it's so hard to not look at. Like I notice it on every single pitch rather than like with the NBA, it's like, Oh, okay. Like this is still a basketball court. You know what I mean? Right. You're constantly reminded that there's not very many people there. Although can you tell me, do you know what the deal is with what appears to be a juggalo behind, like (laughs) in the seat fleet? Do you know what I'm talking about? I haven't seen it. No. Well, I, maybe I have seen it and I just didn't think twice about it, but uh, no, I know how it works though. Like we actually look at landing pitched in for our own, uh, seat fleet member. But I think that the juggalo probably was just one person who was like, yeah, I want to be a part of this. And like, maybe they are a juggalo or maybe they thought it was funny. It might but, be also I mean, like, I don't... I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's to the left when you're watching on the broadcast and it looks like, you know, those photos of like children's Halloween costumes from like the thirties where they're terrifying like it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah. creepily painted sackcloth. It's like that. And I don't know what it is. And I've never been able to get like no one else seems to either. So the next game you watch, try and figure out what it is for me and then write a, a deep investigative report. Okay. If anyone has any information, please drop us a line. I would love please. to know more about this um, please because do. that's great. I think that everyone who did like a, a joke cardboard cutout is the best. Like obviously there's something very pure and sweet about like all of your family sitting together watching or like your golden retriever, like sitting yeah. front row. But the jokes are the best part of it. I don't, did you see the, I don't know what stadium it was, but someone did like the weekend at Bernie's guy and they put him right behind home plate, like <gasps> oh half asleep or God. I guess dead. Yeah. <laughs> dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not uh, half asleep. I know how that movie works. <laughs> right. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was a, I saw like every now and then you'll catch like a, a famous or famous ish person. Like I think Bobby Wagner has one sometimes. Yeah, um, I've noticed that too. I think that's the Mariners themselves doing that. Like I they think put so Macklemore too. in there and like Jimi Hendrix. Yes, yeah, I think so too. And then uh, I also noticed I've, it's some yeah some people have been using it for ads, which is interesting. I mean, it's a super interesting concept, um, but I definitely it, you're you're reminded that something is different. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, so I guess while we're on the subject, how were you feeling about the actual team this year? Like they've kind of fucked around and like been in contention, even though they're still not really good. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of fun to be invested in a playoff race, even though we know in a regular season they'd be nowhere close to it. So like, how are you feeling about these weird Mariners who are like kind of banded together to do something bigger than themselves? I mean, I love I love a lot of the energy that I'm getting from them. I obviously will always be here to watch like Malik Smith and D Gordon just like fuck around together. Um, I yeah, man, miss... I wish they were better at baseball. It's such a bummer. <laughs> I know, and Malik's especially because I feel like last year I was like, oh, this kid's gonna do it. Like this kid is gonna get great, and then this year he's his bat has been so cold, and I don't know like what's happening there. Um, but and I I miss seeing D Gordon's giant smile um in his in his gator but i get it uh but i feel it's weird because this there's obviously there's changes to the gameplay itself there's um 
changes to who we're playing, like even like like you said, like that we played like the Padres and the Dodgers, like that's weird for us. Like I, yeah, think, you know, we just don't see them that often. Um, don't have to play the Blue Jays and get invaded by Canada. Oh my God, I know. Which I like. Good, stay there. Um, and also like not seeing like you know some of the, but not seeing some of the teams that we would normally like, do well against, but. Um, so it's kind of hard to even, it, it just feels, the whole thing feels like, um, uh, like a very long spring training almost. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. But I am excited about Kyle Lewis. Um, I'm excited about some of the catches that JP Crawford has made. Yeah, I'm absolutely very excited to see that Kyle Seeger is like, like has had this like revival I also really like it when he grows out his facial hair. I'm very. I was just gonna ask. Yeah, yeah, how do you feel about the beard? It's I'm very proud. weird when like I don't, the way it comes in is so funny to me. But I love that he's sticking with it. I love it. Yeah. No, you have to commit. Um, he always looked a little bit to me like um, Calvin of Ann Hobbs fame. Yeah, he has giant baby syndrome for sure. Yeah, in a big way. So I feel like the beard helps like cut it up a little bit. Um, you know, I've been feeling about the same as I have ever felt about our bullpen in the same ways that it just has always been. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I was not sure how we were going to do it without Diaz, and that's been going okay. Yeah, don't look at his stats with the Mets. It's one of the darkest exercises a human being can do. Oh my God, I was – he was so exciting to watch, you know, like, ugh. He brought a lot of life to the team, I felt like. He sure did. And it's such a, like, I hate that trading him was, like, a huge benefit. Like, that's how we got yeah. Jared Kalanick. And, like, I'm really excited about that. But I hate that it had to come at the expense of one of the most enjoyable players I've ever gotten to watch. Truthfully, like, just, yeah, it was, and it was weird, too, because I've never, <laughs> I've never felt, like, super, I, Okay, I, we, all of us have never felt super great about Mariners pitching in general. It's just not a reliable source of yeah, joy. Yeah, bullpens especially, yeah. Yeah, so to see to see Diaz sort of bring that level of, um, like, excitement was just really, I remember watching him, like, uh, close out a game at some point when we were there, and it was, like, one of those ones where it really came down to it, and he just, like, it was incredible. Like it was just one of those baseball moments that I couldn't believe I got to witness. Yeah, man, we're really, really hitting a lot of like parts of my brain that I haven't felt in a while. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) thinking about the good times and before COVID and when everything made sense. You know, it's good to think about just to remember like what, what it was like to feel human. Um, (laughs) Especially like today, like it's all like smoky outside and like my one one like you were talking about your like sanity walks my like one coping mechanism that I have left is like running and now that today as of today that is also gone and I'm just like so I don't know maybe I'll go watch more like vault uh more vault material yeah might as well it's so weird to wake up and realize like outside is canceled like you can't do anything (laughs) outside and you have to hunker in and like the last little bit of nice weather in Seattle too. Like I've always thought September is the best weather month here. And now that's all out the window. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it is not. And like, yeah, 
there's just so there's so much that's happening right now and so it is nice to it's nice to have any form of baseball I will say this I very much appreciate what the players and the league could come together to do so that we as fans could get to watch baseball sometimes because like the idea of going through all of this with zero baseball I like I don't I don't know if I could have taken it word up i feel exactly the same okay i want to ask you one more like bigger question and then we can okay. end on some rapid fire stuff Great. so something i'm familiar with i'm sure you're familiar with and our millions and millions of listeners are also familiar with are those moments where you realize that like a person you're talking to who didn't quite understand how much you care about the mariners is like finally coming to terms with it you know what i mean like sometimes you're at a game with them and they want to walk around and like not pay attention you're like fuck no this is important or you like decline their invitation to go somewhere because felix was pitching like have you had those you know how these normally play out and then like how how does that normally go for you like when you see those person's eyes like light up and be like oh shit like you're really in on this uh yes i have a friend who i went to a game with um who like we are like we've known each other forever and she mostly wanted to go because it was star wars night so that i think tells you a lot about the difference in our interests okay. uh so we were there and she was like mostly interested in like fireworks and like people in costume and i was like no like here are our seats let's sit and watch the game and she was like let's like yeah like let's walk around and i just remember having this like multiple times where she was trying to talk to me about something completely unrelated and then something would happen on the field and i was like i i was like a man in a beer commercial like looking over her shoulder at the gameplay <laughs> and i was just like yes and she was like i know me too and i'm like mm-hmm and so like we definitely we were having parallel experiences in that moment um and then i was just like okay well ball games maybe is not our thing to do together <laughs> Yeah, you got to figure out which of your friends are, are ball game friends and which ones are like, oh, maybe we can, you know, watch it at home and have it on in the background. But if I'm paying to be at the stadium, like, I want to watch the game. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, so I, I definitely have now my like, ball game friends and, and not so much. <laughs> yeah, I had a couple. So 2014 and 2016, those two years were like, the Mariners were in the playoff race until literally the last day of the season. Uh, yes. I was, oh I was in college during that time. So like I was declining a lot of like social invitations and like just skipping out on parties. Cause I was like, no, the Mariners are a game out of the playoffs. Like I need to watch every single pitch of this game. And people were like, okay, whatever, dude, like have fun. Like I was just sitting in my room all day. And it was also like, I went to college in San Diego, so it's beautiful outside. And oh, I'm like, sure. nope, gotta, gotta watch like, you know, Rowanis Elias pitch this game or whatever. And people yeah. were just like, I do not understand your lifestyle at all. And I was like, that's okay. You don't have to, but this is like, I just would have felt so disappointed in myself if I like was out like having a shitty night at the bars and like miss the Mariners, like have one of their best moments in franchise history. Cause that's the other thing. Like we're so starved for greatness that like any sort of positive can be like one of literally the best moments in Mariner history. And I just could not stomach missing that for like a typical like college evening. Right. Yeah. I remember, I think it, around that same time there was a game. I think it was, it was, it was one of the years, I think it was the year when the, which I think was 15 when we won but then like kansas city also won and knocked us out or something like it literally yeah. did not come down to like us winning or losing it was somebody else with a better record um and we 
we're driving back up. I'd been visiting my family in Oregon and we stopped at this absolutely abysmal side of the road dive bar to try and catch it because we wanted to watch like the game that we won. And we did. But we went into this dive bar in like southern Washington and we're like, hey, can we get the Mariners on? And it was like a moment where like Keith and I walked in looking like Seattle kids to this bar in Kalama. Uh, and it was like record scratch. We look around. Everyone's watching NASCAR. <laughs> and we were just like, can we get literally just one TV tuned to the game? And they were like, yeah, this one. And they tuned a literally like a set, like a television set that was sitting on the bar to baseball. And we watched like the Mariners win. And we were That's like. very romantic though. I like that. Like yeah. having the old, like, you know, it feels very right. And like something straight out of like a, a you know, baseball classic movie. Like that seems like a Bull Durham scene where like you're driving and you're like, I need to see the game. And you just go into nowhere USA and find it. Yeah. That, and that was exactly, we were just like, we have to see this win. And so, you know, pull over, like, whatever. We have, like, one Coors Light apiece, get back on the road. And then as we're driving, we hear, like, oh, and Kansas City won, too, so it doesn't matter. And we were, or like, whatever. And we are like, ah. But, at, you know, at least we got to, uh, at least we got to disrupt those people's NASCAR viewing for a moment. Yeah, you might have done them a favor. I should also point out this is now the Lookout Landing Podcast brought to you by Coors Light because you mentioned them <laughs> twice now. <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to drink? I guess I mentioned Line and Kugels, too. I guess it's actually just, like, brought to you by Hannah's, like, liver cirrhosis. But No, listen, I, I ride for Coors Light. Of that genre of beer, I think it's the best because and people hate this. for They hate it for this reason, but I think it just tastes like water. Like, it's the easiest to drink, and I like that. I don't want my beer to taste like a full meal. Yeah, I also don't want to drink 300 calories a can, fam. Exactly. And also, like, it means that I can just keep drinking beer all day and not feel like shit. Right, so, yeah, I love being able to drink eight of something. You yeah, know, it's just it's, like a constant, like, something to do with my hands. Yeah, exactly. It's just, like, keeping me cool, especially, like, you're outside, you're in the cheap seats. Like, what? There's nothing better. You said it. Okay, let's end with some, some rapid-fire questions, because this was just my curiosity. I wanted to know. Uh, first one, who is your favorite Mariner ever? My favorite Mariner ever? Uh, yes. Like, that I got to watch play, or just in you, ever... I mean, ever. It, I mean, I think the attachment is more real if it's someone you watch, but it can be someone from the '70s if that's who your heart is telling you to say. Um, I mean, uh, it might actually be, it might actually be Johnson. It actually might be the big unit be, sure. for for again showmanship, uh, mulletiness, but also just like skill and execution. Um. Yeah, and I just loved his whole, I love his vibe. It's yeah. hard to believe that he was real. You know what I mean? Yes. Like when you see a footage of the, especially like that grainy footage from the 90s and they're like in a massive concrete dome. Yes. There's the 610 guy with the bullet, like you said. Like yeah. he's the exact, like people say this all the time, like as a joke, but like he's the exact thing of like when I'm watching him, I'm like, I don't understand how anyone is a professional athlete. Like how do you compete with, randy johnson like the same way if you watch like lebron play basketball you're like okay there's no way that like any human being can be in that same like realm as him that's exactly how i feel about randy johnson he yes. feels like he's from another planet yes i'm like oh we've genetically engineered the perfect pitcher he hit a bird 
Like, what about that is not incredible? Wait, well, who's yours? Who's your favorite of all time? My favorite Mariner of all time is Mike Cameron. Who's Mike? Do I know who that is? He was he was the center fielder on the 2001 team, which is like when I oh, fell in love with the yeah. Mariners. And he was just the coolest guy I've ever seen in my life. That was when you could still wear earrings on the field. They like got rid of that for a little bit. But then this season, I think they said, fuck it, let him wear earrings again. But he was like just so confident in himself, kind of like Ichiro, but in a much more relatable way. Because I felt like Ichiro was kind of a machine, like you said. Um, yeah, Mike Cameron, he like glided everywhere he went and oh, he yeah. had four home runs in a game. He was just the coolest guy on earth. So I've, that's like when I decided that I was a Mariner fan for life when I watched Mike Cameron. He was the one where you're just like, yeah. This uh, is my guy. Yeah. Those are, I love those kinds of players. The ones where you're just like, I can get behind this team. I felt, actually, I feel similarly. <laughs> my love in the Mariners was renewed by, this is going to sound like so strange, but by the existence of Mitch Hamager. Yeah, that makes sense. Because <laughs> I feel like he's like, he's smart. He's wholesome. He's like, good at baseball. Like, I just, there's something about Mitch Hamager where I'm like, that's a good baseball player. Like he makes me feel like this is a good, this is a good sport to be interested in. Totally. He's such an everyman where I'm like, yeah, this is, this is a guy that I feel comfortable like devoting my happiness to. Cause that's another yeah. thing about sports fandom. You're like for the next three hours, these random guys control my happiness. Yeah. I'd rather it be someone like Mitch Hanniger than like a super villain. <laughs> right. Exactly. Where I'm like, I feel like he and I could also like kick it and I wouldn't have to, you know, do that thing of like, okay, I don't want to hear anything about what you think about the world. I just right. want to talk to you about baseball. I like, I feel like I could be like, let's talk about climate change. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, do you have a favorite, I guess Mitch Hanniger might be the answer to this, but favorite current Mariner. It's hard to remember that Mitch Hanniger is still on the team because he's Ugh. been injured for so long. He's been injured for a hundred years. My current. Well, so he wasn't really my favorite because of any particular reason other than that he looked like Porky Pig. Uh, but I, I really did. Uh, v- Vogie, my thick boy Vogie, was one of actually my favorites, even though he was truly terrible this season. I'm glad we traded him. But yeah. uh, I just <laughs> I just loved watching him like make the glacial trot uh, around the bases. And then one time I saw him randomly at a bar on Aurora, and he was like eating chicken wings. No way. <laughs> yeah, and Keith and I were like, is that Vogelbach? And we, like, couldn't stop looking at him. Definitely was, yeah. Uh, That's so cool. It was, yeah, it was. And it was, like, during the season. We were like, shouldn't he be, like, practicing for something? <laughs> but it was definitely him. Uh, and they were they were off that night, so we knew it was him. And he was just, like, having some wings. Uh, but I think my favorite, my current favorite... Uh... Let's see. You know, I mean, I think everyone's current favorite is Kyle Lewis, right? Like, I think sure. he's just such a delight to watch. Um, he seems so, like, sweet. And and he represents good. everything that, like, we've been promised for so long, you know? Like, yes. you think that the, the arc of the universe would bend towards the Mariners at some point, and it yes. seems like it's finally happening, and, like, Kyle Lewis is the vessel for that. Yeah, like, every now and then he'll make a catch, and you just, you see, like, Junior's silhouette, and you're like, ooh, I see where this is going. Let's <laughs> hope the rest of the team builds up with him. Who, exactly. who do you love right now? Who's your favorite? I time? mean, yeah, Lewis is obviously, like, the one that makes me, like, want to tune in every night and actually mm-hmm. watch the Mariners play. 
but the guy who's like really growing on me who before this season I had zero opinion on is Dylan Moore who's like somehow one of the best players in the world now yes what happened there also another one where like he doesn't necessarily look massive on the field but then I no, creeped we on joke his... about that all the time. Yeah, He's like it doesn't make sense physically how he hits for so much power. Well, and that, but then if you look at his Instagram, look at him like with his wife. The dude is an ox. Okay. Like okay. I don't know how it's possible that like the TV camera cuts forty pounds off this man, but like <laughs> I looked at him and I was like, that there's no way I have the right account. Definitely do. He's somehow he's secretly giant. Yeah. Shout out to Kate Prusser, managing editor of Lookout Landing, who describes him as having a Disney princess waist. Like he's very upper body strong and then oh, he yeah. has no waist whatsoever. It's like he's wearing like one of those like uh, a corset a corset. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. OK, so uh, we had some positives. I do want to kind of end on a not a negative, but maybe <laughs> just like a stop and on a somber note, because it always feels fitting for a Mariner yeah. discussion. And we've talked so much about the radio anyway. And this guy in particular. Uh, where were you when you found out that Dave Niehaus died? Do you remember? Where was I when I found out that Dave Niehaus died? I think I was at work. Um, I I feel like I heard... I feel like I didn't hear it till the next day, and I think I was at work. Because um, okay. it was in, like, the uh, win- fall-winter it was, yeah. It was the off season for sure. I don't remember when exactly. Yeah, it was definitely in like the and yeah, I must have been at the time I was working at a coffee shop <laughs> at like a Tully's and someone said something about it when they came in and I only sort of vaguely overheard it because I was working and then later somebody else said it and I was like, wait, for real? And like I didn't have a smartphone. I didn't have a like a uh you know any kind of um like way to check really yeah and then uh like much later when i got home like i was able to clock out of my shift and then i like turned on kow or whatever and i think they were talking about it man such a bummer Uh, i remember being in the car with my dad which felt (gasps) very right because he's like a big Uh, sports radio guy so we probably had 710 or 950 on and like they broke the news and we didn't like pull over the car and have like a cry sesh or anything it was more like wow damn another crushing l which feels very mariners you know like we're so used to like bad news and losing that it's like it's kind of like a deep sign like i guess this is another thing that we have to deal with now like obviously it was sad but it was more like immediate acceptance which is like kind of the the like fabric of being a Mariners fan anyway yeah yeah exactly and I, I feel like there was just a there was a part of me that like almost immediately sort of rationalized it where I was like well you know he he wasn't a he wasn't a young man in the way that we do with like also Mariners losses where we're like well you know we didn't really spend that much money on this season or we didn't you know <laughs> we didn't really build up the team like you get really good at like comforting yourself into those losses yeah, exactly. That's that turtle shell I mentioned earlier. We were just like, oh, I'll just sink yeah. back in here where it's comfortable. And like, I, I know that like, I can't get hurt in here if I'm the one who like made this for myself. Right. If I just like really believe that this is like, that this is how things were, were meant to be and had to be. Yeah. And I remember sort of afterwards, like talking to some people about like, you know, his role and like some, and again, I actually, I had one of, you know, those moments like you described where you're talking to someone about about baseball and you realize that they aren't actually invested in baseball because I was like talking to one of my coworkers at the coffee shop 
And I just remember her, like, glazed eyes of just, like, so he was, like, an old guy who, like, did broadcasting? And I was, like, "Mm." And uh, and then I realized that I... You bite your tongue. He was everything to me. (laughs) I was, like, he was the voice of Seattle. He coined the name A-Rod. Come on. Credit where it's due. Yeah, man. R.I.P. Dave, if you're listening wherever you are. I'm sure they have podcasts where Dave Niehouse is. (laughs) And... We love you, Dave, and respect everything that you did for the Mariners. And really, like you said, Seattle in general. Like, his voice is so ubiquitous, or I guess was so ubiquitous for yeah, so long. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you could hear uh, you, you could hear that voice, and it would wake you up out of a coma, right? Especially if it was telling you a good thing had happened. Yeah. Oh, man. That'd be the best way to come out of a coma, actually. I would love to have him broadcast me coming out of a coma. <laughs> he could also, you know, he could broadcast my funeral, and I'd be fine with it. Absolutely. He said celebratory. I think that'd be the best way to go for every Mariner fan. So wait, when you you and your dad were in the car, did you ever like talk about it? Like be like, remember that, remember that time? I don't think so. I mean, I think mostly because, you know, when it happened, you were like actually trying to figure out what happened. You know, it was like more like we were quiet so we could actually like listen to what the radio was saying about how he died. And then I'm sure there was some like, I'm sure if it was 710, especially they just like pulled up some of his old clips but I think it was kind of like unspoken you know because like we both understood like how important he was and like how because like growing up that's like how you're introduced to the Mariners anyway it's like Dave Niehaus is the guy who calls it and then these are the players but they'll change all the time Dave Niehaus is the constant so I think like it was more of just us kind of like sitting with our own emotions this also like speaks a lot to like the relationship between men (laughs) and like how a lot of it is like very like don't say anything don't be vulnerable kind of thing but I don't remember, like, the aftermath so much as I remember being, like, hit by the news and then just kind of sitting there for the rest of the car ride. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, I think exactly what you said about, like, him being the constant. Like, that, because that, I feel the same way about, like, coaches sometimes. Like, I think that's one of the reasons that I really um, like to see coaches who stay for a long time is because, like, the guys and the numbers change pretty regularly. But, like, the structure of the team is almost what you're choosing to be part of. And so, like, somebody who is consistent for that long is, like, you can't really trade that for anything. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Hannah, this was a delight. I'm really glad we could make time to do this. Um, Before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to just brag or flex or plug anything you want to direct people's attention to. The floor is yours for self-promotion. Well, if people love the dulcet tones of my voice, I also have a podcast. It is called Spotless, and it's about cleaning really um we no we talk about so we talk about like i mean we talk about cleaning products and like how we like to clean it's me and um my friend andrew walsh who is also a big mariner fan so honestly we often divert into baseball talk uh and we are like car talk for cleaning like people will call our our phone number and they will ask for advice on like how to get a stain out um but we also talk about like sort of the the mental health aspect of cleaning and how Having a clean home doesn't make you a better person. And uh, it's I like to think it makes people feel good. So the podcast is called Spotless. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and not Facebook because Facebook is a disaster. Uh, people can Correct. follow me on Twitter, mostly for me just like kvetching. Uh, I'm at Ms. Hannah Brooks and it's A-J-N-N-A. Uh, I'm pretty easy to find elsewhere. And then at some point in the next year, I have a book coming out. I'm writing a book. I've written a book. I'm in the final processes of editing. 
uh, and it's going to be about um, sex work in 19th and 20th, early 20th century Seattle, and specifically about Lou Graham, who ran the city's like most celebrated brothel. Whoa, congrats. That's very cool. Thank you. It's uh, been a lot of fun to write. I turns out I really love writing about like old historical stuff. Um, I did a piece for Crosscut a bunch of time ago about Six Stadium, too. So if you want to learn more about Six Stadium, I, I wrote a pretty long investigative piece about like the policy that happened so that it ended up getting bulldozed. Yeah, and that's where I ended up buying some patio furniture many years later from <laughs> the, the Lowe's in that exact same spot. Yes, I know. well, and it I, it started because it has that like extremely pathetic little sign that's like here stood Six Stadium, and we drove by it at one point, and Keith was like, "There was a baseball stadium there," and I was like, "Uh, there was the baseball stadium there for the Pilots for their one season." Um, and then when I dug into the city records on it, it was very interesting how uh, the decisions were made to like build um build the dome and then also like move the teams around and there's just a lot of bureaucracy um which if there's anything i love it's the intersection of bureaucracy and baseball absolutely really the things keeping this country going amid these uncertain times (laughs) yeah i mean if, if you can't just like really like limbo under some red tape i don't know what you're doing with your life right now I've been saying that for years. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Check out everything Hannah just mentioned. Buy her book when it comes out. And keep reading lookoutlanding.com. Subscribe to this podcast if you want. Uh, If not, whatever. Keep going about your life. Um, But thank you, Hannah. Thank you, everyone who listened. Do you have any final words before we let you go? Final words. uh, If anybody ever asks you who the most attractive mariner is, it's obviously Franklin Gutierrez ever and forever. A gorgeous, gorgeous man. My God. That's a great way to go out. Uh, Everyone, if you're driving a car, pull over and Google pictures of Franklin Gutierrez, and then that'll improve your day tenfold. Easily. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you later. Goodbye. Hey.